because I was just doing my thing. I wasn't trying to be somebody I wasn't, but it's like when we get to do our thing our way, good things happen. Hi, you're listening to Looks Like Work. I'm your host, Hedma Kleinler, and yeah, it's the least pronounceable name you've ever heard, but you'll get used to it. I'm a serial entrepreneur who's obsessed with curiosity, creativity, and grit, and that's just to get started. I really can't get enough of learning more about people's career choices. What fulfills them? How do they deal with burnout, with heartbreak? How do they protect their boundaries? And is it all even working? Those are questions that keep me up at night and I hope to explore here. On this podcast, we'll have deep conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, people juggling a few jobs, sometimes even a few industries, sharing what looks like work for them. With that, on to the episode. I really hope you'll enjoy it. Hello, hi, Anne. Welcome to Looks Like Work. I am so excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I absolutely love all these conversations that you're having. They're so aligned with how I think these days. So grateful to be here. I'm so grateful for you to you for being here. We'll probably get into it in, in like a second or at some point during this conversation, but we've been connected online for a long time. Like, I don't know, I, I think I've been following you for at least a decade from your design sponge days. So before we jump in, because I'm so excited to kind of for you to share with our listeners what you're doing and how you're thinking and how like your whole like mindset is working and what makes you curious. So just like on top of it, so they have some context. I will say that's Anne Dittmeyer. Is that how you pronounce your name? It is. Amazing. <laughs> uh, is... An amazing person wearing many, many hats, but also a creative coach and workshop facilitator and a dot connector living in France. And and I think I always like kind of like to start with this question, but I think following this short intro, it's even more interesting. What looks like work for you? I have to at- laugh with this question because it looks absolutely nothing like I thought work would look like when I was young and growing up and what society told me. <laughs> and a lot of the things that are work for me right now feel like cheating because it's fun and easy and flow. And, you know, the pressure that we feel like we should be working all the time or not doing enough. And so for me, work looks more like play. It's pulling together my background in design from graphic design to UX design and design thinking. And it just keeps evolving and iterating. And where I take pieces and nuggets from everything I've learned and recombine it in new ways. And I have this, I don't know, I, I want to make the world more human. So it's putting people, getting them out of their comfort zones in a really safe and secure way and creative workshops and pen and paper and getting out of our heads and making people draw maps on bananas. So that was a, a, a pen. Oh my God. Maps and bananas. Yeah, was- okay. We're going to have to hear this story. Yeah. I loved hearing that because I know it probably sounds like a lot to some people, but I think this is exactly like what I strive to in my work is that it should feel like play and it was like just so fun hearing it from you. And also most of the people listening to, to this like will not see you, but like just seeing you kind of say it with such a like a smile on your face and like your whole like movement was so like so in the fun and like really embodying it and it just made my heart kind of open up. I, I just love it. I love it. And I like seriously just got chills hearing you say that because you said it sounds like a lot and people can look at my resume and say, oh, you do all this. And that's actually triggering for me. Like I'm not trying to do more. I'm actively trying to do less and take things out of it and make it more impactful and just giving myself a lot of space and breathing room to process, to think. I realize I absorb a lot of energies from other people and I'm overriding a lot of what's out there. So Yes, I keep building my skill set, but it's, again, this like evolution. Let me ask you this. Are you trying to do less? Because I think there's less in terms of volume, 
which I think is what you're maybe saying. And then there's less in terms of what kind of skills, like how many skills are you harnessing? Like what kinds of experiences you're drawing from? And that could sound like a lot for many people that are maybe more linear thinking, but if it works for you and it seems like it's working amazing, then I don't think you have to put yourself in like in a tiny cubicle, right? Yeah. And it's, it's for me, like one of my approaches is like writing your own rules and it's like really going by our own guiding principles instead of others. And so it's been all about the spirit of experimentation and trying different things and say like, what if, cause we, we can get ahead of ourselves and say, Oh, that wouldn't work. How do you know it wouldn't work? And so yeah, it's it's a refinement and realizing that I don't need to do everything the way that everybody else is doing. Like the more I do things my way and lean into that, the better the outcome, the more impactful, the richness, just like the spirit with it all. And so this whole journey of being able to appreciate and embody this enthusiasm, because we're kind of taught not to do that too. It's it's all part of it, but rethinking everything I ever thought <laughs> and just being open to these ideas that pop into my head sometimes too. I love it. And you know what? I could really relate to just being enthusiastic and also kind of leaning into enthusiasm. And as enthusiastic and sometimes over the top person, I, I could really relate to like the world kind of scoffing at that, right? Kind of like, oh, like you need to have, you know, in Israel, we say, even though it comes from French, I guess, like we have to, you need to have the facade, the like this facade of like, seeming to not be to be cool to not be too excited about anything and I love it I, I love excited people and I love being excited why shouldn't we, we, we be excited and it was interesting because once a friend said like your energy is contagious and I was the quiet shy one I was called the quiet one growing up by my friends like so I didn't really know that there was something else and then when this friend's like your energy is, is contagious I'm like that was wild to me because I was just doing my thing I wasn't trying to be somebody I wasn't. But it's like, when we get to do our thing our way, good things happen. That is so awesome. I love that when you like really step into your own thing. Okay, so I am dying to hear more about the last few years. Because I remember you as writing about design and being very involved in the design world. And I think you started as a designer, right? And then I remember when you started with the world of mapping and kind of evolved a lot. Did it start from the design part of, of mapping and then did it go into more of coaching and like personal work? How did it all happen? Because I'm fascinated by it. <laughs> I think one of the key puzzle pieces was my blog called Prête à Voyager, which means ready to travel. And in grad school, I rebranded it with the mantra, travel's not about where you go, but how you see the world. I so it. I started that blog in 2007. So early blogging days inspired by seeing Design Sponge. And the thing about Design Sponge, it was industry leader, you know, for all things design and really changed so much in the design world. But what I saw behind that was connection and community. Back in the day, people left comments on blogs. This sounds so foreign now. And it was just way to connect with people. And I, I was one of those people. I, I like, I totally relate. Exactly that, that era was like... It was my thing. I loved it. Yeah. And so I was like, I want to be a part of this. And so I started my blog on the intersection of travel and design, Prêt à Voyager, on Bastille Day 2007. So it almost was like the seed that planted me to come to France. I'm American and I had this thing. But it was hard at the time because I was like, oh, I can't do city guides because Design Sponge has city guides. And I didn't realize that everybody can do whatever they want through their own lens and it's unique. And I love having it as an archive, but I could share my travels, share the travels of others. So Design Sponge, you know, I started when I was living in Baltimore and continued when I came to grad school in Paris. And I was running the Sneak Peaks interior column. And the irony was like my home space wasn't shareable. Like I lived in shoebox apartments. 10 square meters, 110 square feet in Paris when I came for grad school, like not glamorous at all. And so I was doing this, but like, I felt like an imposter because I was like, I'm telling you, your home's not good enough. I was like, mine's not, or your home is like featureable for different people. But such a great lesson for the Instagram age. By the yeah. Way. <laughs> yeah. And it was, that's why I loved 
you know, my blog was this playground and I try to keep that idea with Instagram. It's really hard and it's a mind game, but I'm like, wait, I need to watch the energy I'm bringing to that. And just, it's a, it's a resource for myself anyway. So my travel blog connected me with people. A lot of times I would feature people on my boarding pass column where it is how people traveled and how they documented travels or journals. And there were people I'd met through design sponge. And I was like, wow, I made this incredible network just by reaching out to people. And I really wanted it to be international and different kinds of people. So all of that. And then my blog kind of was a stepping stone into Paris, like, and then grad school and then staying freelance. And it was a little bit nebulous. And I just had to cling to what I knew. I was studying global communication after my first master's in graphic design. And like, I was like, oh, I need to work in social media. I need to do this. It was very by the book. This is what you do. And I was just being safe. And then on top of it being foreign and living in France, I had to deal with paperwork, like write a 50 page business plan after my master's thesis to stay in France. It was a whole journey. I was very naive. I remember your tweets about the bureaucracy in Paris. I was like, oh my God, this sounds like a full time. Oh, it was. Work. My friend Jenny always says, Anne, I know you love France, but you really love a challenge. So it meant I really wanted to be here. And six years ago, I became French. So I unlocked the door, but I, I had to get really creative in that space because I had the right to work other than salaried. That'd be taking a job from a French person, so I couldn't teach. So that's when I really had to start playing with the space and how I was working. So ironically, the bureaucracy of France is what I have to thank for doing something so creative. If I were still in the US, I'd be super safe. I'd need healthcare, like I wouldn't be playing. So I started giving tours through Viable, which doesn't exist now, but apparently, essentially it's what Airbnb experiences like. Oh, cool. Borrowed the idea. And then um, teaching on Skillshare. So Skillshare, I got in early and I, my, my tactic was I followed everybody who worked there on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I love that. And then they reached out to me to teach a course and like a travel course seemed right. And then I was like, what about a course on maps? And that course like unlocked everything. It was launched as a two week course. And like, I don't know, I think it's 2013 or something like that. It's still online. It's so low budget, but it was again, like the I passion. I still remember maps. when it's launched, it was so, I think it was so compelling because it was just so different. And I would love to kind of double tap on this. And like, what, what gave you the idea about maps? Like how, like what happened there? Well, I think it's interesting because we often think we need to know everything in order to do something or teach something. But I was like, I'm not even a map maker. Like in terms of design, like I have so many friends who are so much more talented as illustrator. Like I, I always said, I can't draw. Like now I love doing my doodles. So it was just a passion. And I was like, just the best idea I had. And I re it was really very much inspired. My, my dad would draw these hand-drawn maps for me before GPS and <laughs> smartphones to like in high school when I was driving, how to get into DC and things like that. And so I was, I didn't realize it at the time, but people love maps. And so like I had creatives, photographers, illustrators, designers, people who just loved maps. And so I just wanted to share my favorite examples and inspiration. And I love the idea of, you know, you travel somewhere and you create your own souvenir and it's more memorable. And I'm always trying to encourage people to travel to places through their own interests and lens slash being open to like new experiences related to the place. But instead of going through the checklist of, I need to see this site, I need to do this. So and so told me, you know, but traveling in a different way. So it, it all became part of, this overall spirit and the maps became this blend of the travel and design. So it, it was incredible. And again, it started as a two week class people were sharing. So I had this community, which ended up kind of foreshadowing with what I do with mapping your path now. And my mom signed up for the class and she became like the unofficial TA and was commenting on everybody's projects. And it was just like, it was like, so, and even oh, Skillshare was, was like, that? Mom, da, da, da. <laughs> and so all these different things. And I had a hand-drawn map. There were like mini assignments and there's a hand-drawn mapping assignment. And it was just, you know, use a napkin or whatever. And one guy, Phil Francis, drew his commute on a banana 
while on while on his commute in the UK. And so that was the first known banana map that would, you know, fast forwarding would inspire some creative mornings oh field trips God. I started running. And I always do banana mapping in my like three month cohorts. But it was just the unexpected. And that banana map, when he shared it, there was so much joy. And so it was just like, why not? And so I love it now as a tool to get out of our heads and have this 3D surface and a ballpoint pen, the texture, you can map on anything, but like that joy of it. So it turns out this experiment and like, I was not making a lot of money when I started my business. I was navigating France, learning everything, just keeping afloat in my shoebox apartment, but I was doing it and, you know, dealing with everybody in France saying, no, you can't do that. Say da 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 da. And not realizing how that was actually really affecting how I showed up on the world in the world because I was believing that. So anyway, it's been a long journey to override that. But that's a long story of Skillshare. But even talking with you right now, realize how influential that was and just gave me different clues of how to move forward. I ended up launching a series of other courses, some InDesign courses, and I would try to create the community. I never could. But, you know, maps were a way to bring people together and anybody can do it. And it's, it's, it's like being a kid again. So, And, and who would have thunk, right? Because maps are such like, it's not something that a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking about every day, right? But I can tell you even like just seeing that kind of journey from, you know, aside from, from the, like the description on Skillshare, from the things that you shared online, something about it felt so personal and so joyful. It's hard to kind of put the finger on it, but it's amazing. Yeah. And I think there's a big storytelling element in it and it captures something. I often would ask people like what their favorite maps are. And I think it does bring us back to our childhoods, like treasure maps or in books or the road trip. And, you know, kids these days, I don't know if they like get to look at the atlas or the map and the, the road trip, but, you know, it's a way to capture where we've been and where we're going. So yeah. <laughs> for me, I think it's, I have a teenage son. So I think for, for him and like in his generation where it still shows up is like kind of those fantasy uh, novels where you have kind of the map of the, of the fantastical world of the book and the like book cover or something. And that's always like, I remember also as a kid, I would like, I loved them. I would like look at them. And while I was reading the book, I would go back to the map to see where did that storyline happen but you said a really important word and storytelling I think it's a word that we a lot of times overuse but I really remember because this is like you know I also had a design blog and many other blogs and something I felt from your writing both on your own blog like mostly on your own blog but also on design sponge and other places I could relate to that but I think you've done it so well is that beyond like no matter what you wrote about you could have write, written about like the French bureaucracy <laughs> you could have written about like a sofa or whatever and still the point of view the story the personality the kind of interesting unexpected angle that's what always kind of caught me so would you say because I do think maps are, are now that you say it they're kind of a way to tell a story how did that kind of lead you to the next steps in your journey? Yeah, no, and I, I appreciate all of this too. I mean, I think the maps and even hearing about the maps your son is looking at, like we get so serious as adults and we overthink things and we remove the joy and remove the fun. So I think the maps are just like a, a way to explore and go deeper. And for me, I think it's also there a way to explore our inner worlds as well. And in my own, like write your own rules. One of my rules is like tell alternative narratives, because I think for so long, I thought I needed to show up in a certain way or talk about things in a certain way or fit a formula. And even if I don't get the most hits or likes or whatever, it's been such a great tool for me to find my own voice and my own perspective. And I'm like, it's against the grain, but I'm like, wait, I'm here to shake things up. So it's, 
you know, finding these other ways. Like I keep coming back to the question in my work, what if there's another way? Because we go into black and white thinking, but it's like, there's a whole spectrum and all these possibilities. And we get in our own ways when we say something's not possible. It's like French bureaucracy, but it's like, I had to find a way around that. And so maps, I often just encourage people just to start drawing. Like people want to sketch it out and plan it out and like, oh, I'll do this when I have this figured out. No, like so much for me has just been like knowing the next right step and realizing I do have these experiences and I get off course, but you also get back on course. Oh, I love that. And and I think it's worth like saying again, wow, like what if it's, if there's another way and that that's so powerful because we find ourselves so many times in so many different trajectories where it feels like you like kind of hit a dead end. Right. And it, it's a terrible feeling and I can see how just like kind of drawing or sketching it out. It's sometimes easier than in your brain, right. To just say, Oh, like there's some space to the right. There's some space to the left. Maybe it's even 3d. Maybe you can go from like underneath. It's super powerful. And it's interesting because you kind of were also asking to reflect on the past few years. And so, so much of this pivot happened when I was, finished a big teaching online contract, teaching UX design. And then I started doing creative coaching, which I wanted. And I was looking towards others for the models of how to do it. And I enjoyed it, but I was like feeling like a failure because I didn't have enough clients or it wasn't going like it was flowing for everybody else. And so that's where I was supposed to run my first workshop during April, 2020, write your own rules that was inspired by a previous talk I had done where it was just keeping evolving. And So the pandemic for me, like opened everything because I let myself experiment, try things my way, realized I'm actually good at at navigating adverse conditions. Like it was, I could sit on my hallway floor with my gnome behind me and just show up and give people, you know, two hours to get out of their heads. And, you know, I had people make rule books and then that's where Mapping Your Path was born. And it was just kind of like, I, I had space, I had time, it was uncomfortable but I had this idea come to me and I was like, I've got to try it. And it's like my most joyful thing. So it was most of it started like early in the pandemic, but then just evolving it and just seeing these needs around people. So it was, again, it it comes down to doing things my way and another way and just being like, I don't need to do things like everybody else does. Yeah. And I think like during these last two years, it's such a, like it became, I, I don't think it was ever a nice to have. I was going to say that, but it's, it's not true, but it became even more crucial than ever. Like if you have the skills of like looking at things differently, if you have the skills of like coming up with another plan or maybe not relying on a plan, but just being playful and being willing to just doodle in your life a little bit. Um, Getting out of our heads. It it became critical. Yeah. Getting out of our heads and just finding ways to bring joy. And I was like, I'd been freelance, working from home, living alone, single. Like, so I was like, I was prepared for this. I was, you know, trained. I've been training years for this. Um, And then it's like, it was funny because I had attended a workshop that fall before 2020 um, about vision 2020 with my friend Imogen. And like my intention for 2020 was to run more workshops. I knew I wanted to do more workshops, but I was afraid. I felt like I needed to do things. I needed to have everything planned and did it. And then the pandemic happened and it all just snowballed and became this thing and be like, okay, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. And it was way better than I could have imagined. So that's where I'm not the biggest strategist. I wow. have to do things one at a time and not be afraid to recalibrate And for me, like my three month cohort is very much like taking out, finding all the things that have inspired me of all the different experiences I've had, putting that and then also considering all the things I wish it was and minimizing it and simplifying because we get into like learn more, do more, da da da. And I was like, what if we do less and just have this space? And so it's kind of uncomfortable at first for people, but it's but then there's like maps and joy. And so it's these different pieces. So it's this constant puzzle I'm playing with. And now the context of the world keeps changing. But I was like, there's something here. And so, you know, knowing that it's not going to stay the exact same forever, but, you know, rolling. Yeah. And, and during those years, 
the map of the world literally change with like Brexit and stuff. It, it's pretty insane. So tell us more about mapping your path. Like what, what is it? Yeah, it's a three-month cohort with participants around the world with monthly creative workshops that I teach live, but they're recorded. And so two weeks later, there's like time for reflection because I was like, wow, in school and work, there's so no time for reflection. And also people are like, I'm behind. I'm behind. I was like, you are not behind. You're where you need to be. And even having like one question something and then having a community aspect because I think there's something so powerful in group dynamics because I can see something or say something, but it's scary to listen. But hearing from other people's experiences and I've people who've been with me for all six cohorts so far and you know That's seeing amazing. each other springboard and then there's new people come in and then it's like daunting kind of but it's I want everybody to just be expansive and remind each other that like we can all win and celebrate, but it's different perspectives. And so it's been really interesting in this current cohort that it's very much this theme of rest and slow. And I know that we had kind of reconnected over that and just seeing and feeling this like overall vibe of the world where we're supposed to keep going, do this. This is what you need to do. It's not a 10 steps and then you've got success but it's allowing everybody to be in this messy journey and I'm in it. I'm responding to everybody in the community and I'm sharing my own vulnerable, like, this is what I'm going through. This is my intention for the week. And we like get to celebrate each other, which is the most fun. And, you know, I barely know what happens because I have people share their maps or their banana maps, but I know that things are exploding. And it's also things that we live in a world of instant gratification, but sometimes these insights it takes some time to connect or it will make more sense down the future. So yeah, it's, it's my playground and it's so cool to see just people from around the world and different perspectives. And yeah, I love it. I love it. I really do. That's so awesome. I- I'm so curious how that realization that those like that kind of when or how did it dawn on you that, those maps aren't just a means to an end or, you know, souvenir or a way, you know, to show someone where to go or, or something that's fun to have as, as like homemade, like DIY art. How did it happen? Where like, what made you kind of realize, Oh, people are actually using this or they could use it for some kind of reflection or processing or, or, you know, all of that. Yeah, I think I didn't really know. But in the Skillshare class, somebody was going through a cancer journey and mapped that out. And that was really touching somebody else like through their like dog walks. And like, there was a range. And then when I launched it in fall of 2020, like I had the I got the idea. Two weeks later, it was online. And two weeks later, I was starting so not overthinking it. And that first cohort, like, so the fall one into the new year, instead of a new year's resolution, it's coming up with the guiding force, which is a word or theme and like mapping out the year. So mine for this year is like the magic within you, but it's, it's been all sorts of different things and it's gauging that. But that first cohort I had, I thought we were just going to make places, maps of places and like maps and the community just brought it and they, what they shared and the the honesty in which people share and the insights that they share not everybody shares like it's up to the individual and some people just like read and whatever but realizing how much we were pushing the conversations like there is you know on the random thread we were talking about Bridgerton and gender roles and all these different things so it. it's not all heavy it's not all hard but just being like wow I launched this thing and I just thought we were gonna make maps and realizing the power and the- yeah. did you ever imagine Mm-mm. that you'll have like this much of an impact on people's lives? No, like, yeah, it's so wild. It's powerful. And then seeing them connect like one and, and seeing people go through these like transitions that like, I'm slowing down. It's weird not to do anything. It's not comfortable. And, you know, one of the women who's been with me from the start, like she ended up writing a book. Another woman in the cohort ended up doing the collage for the cover art. And so like oh, wow. all these things happen without me knowing it. So I love to dot connect and connect people in the group and, you know, bring people together, but so much happens on its own. And, you know, some people are like, 
they chime in, they want to be active because we tell ourselves we're going to be perfect students. And I was like, I don't want you to be a perfect student. I just want you to like support yourself how you can. And so, you know, a woman who keeps coming back, like she's not really active, but she's like, I read these threads in conversations and they've been so empowering, but we're all in different chapters and seasons. And so getting out of the comparison trap and just letting ourselves be on these journeys and we can have all the intentions to do all the things but realizing that so much happens on its own timeline. So I learned about a lot about the world from the community, but it's, <laughs> that's where I also want to create things. That's what I love teaching as well. It's like, I learn just as much from my students or participants as they learn from me, which is really the goal. That is, that is really amazing. That sounds like a dream. And I, I want to talk about a little bit about like writing your own rules, like you said, and I found it so interesting that he said that if you didn't have to deal with bureaucracy. And if you would just have stayed in Baltimore or in the US, you might have like found like a very kind of by the book career, or at least like not as different. I really related from it just like to, to it from a different point, because I always say that if I wasn't fired from my job, when I, my only, my only, <laughs> my one and only job was as a secretary in the diamond exchange. And I was fired when I was pregnant and <laughs> after like five months. And I always say that if I hadn't been like fired, then I would like still be a really great secretary, but I wouldn't have like gotten to experience everything that I've experienced. And I just had like this thing of, you know, being a young mom, like both like young myself, I was 21 and to a tiny baby and not really believing in like, I didn't have much of like high education and, and, and I didn't really know a lot of people who had careers. And I was like, just, okay, let me know. Let me see what I can do myself without relying on, you know, on anything else. And while being able to be at mom, at home. So I love how that led you to it. And I'm wondering, because I think what a lot of time entrepreneurs and especially creative entrepreneurs find is you start something out of passion and you kind of started out of this curiosity and playfulness and necessity, of course, and you kind of try, you play, you do some things, you love it, you enjoy it, you find that people react to it and you kind of do it on your own time because there's still like not a lot of people know about you. So you do have like that balance and then things take off and then it's very easy to get flooded by the incoming, right? By the demand or by like, oh, wow, this is working. So I need, I have to, like, I can't be ungrateful and not tap into it and not like work myself to the ground. Then there's needs to come like a decision or a boundary or like your value system or something in order to regulate it or not. But you kind of find yourself having to think about it in order to like maintain a life. And I love how you've written on about it on the blog and I'm super connected to it. And I feel like this is so much on theme for what we've been talking about on the podcast. I would love to hear more about like how you're thinking yourself about like kind of going slow are you seeing it like in the world like through through like how people are reacting to maps like take us wherever you want yeah first I want to back up and just say that I love your story about being fired because ego is so strong that it feels like a failure and I think the further we get into our careers I've seen it happen with some mapping or pathers It's really hard. Like, even though they know they want out, there's an adjustment. So yeah. I've learned a lot about the nervous system. Like my head can understand something logically, but my body has some catching up to do. So knowing that the ego is real and it feels bruised, but also like that there's something way better for us ahead. And I think, by the way, now with the market, with so many people being let go, It's an important thing to discuss, right? And I love what he said about the nervous system. You can be over it logically or maybe, maybe even mentally, but you have to let your body go through it. Yeah. And I'll say I've been in a season for over six months and I'm only realizing that I'm very much in it now. So some of it is linked to mapping your path, like being the sixth cohort. And I think sometimes when you do something what's successful and fun, 
it feels easier. And there was something about promoting that felt harder and I felt like a failure or I should be further, it should be bigger. The summer one's always harder to enroll. And then I was launching a retreat that was such a dream, came together so fluid, but the timing just wasn't right, but we went anyway. So there were things that felt like a failure. And so I think so many people are projecting onto us and then we feel like it's a failure. So it's this regulating expectations. And I was like, wait, I'm just where I need to be and accepting that and being like, what is this crazy expectation? Because the way I built Mapping Your Path is to have three-month cohorts. So I have the launch period for a couple of weeks and then onboarding is interesting because I'm dealing with everybody's fears and stories and we're doing a lot of neural reprogramming too, where it's just like, this isn't serving you. I'm like, you can show up imperfectly. I want you to show up imperfectly. You don't have to do all the work. Practice not doing the work. Anyway, so it's dealing with that energy. But then when I'm in it, I'm in it. I, I mean, and responding to people feels joyful and easy. I'm not dreading it. But I do think there's an energetic exchange that I'm learning to pay attention to. And I've learned more about listening to my body and listening and trusting my intuition. So in many ways, success looks slower than I think, but it's still, if I look at it, there's still growth every single time, <laughs> like compared to like the, the year prior, now that I've done two full year cycles. But for me, I've learned so much about the value for me and the goal to have freedom and time for myself. So I can go for a swim during the day. Like it's my walks that I need and I need this downtime and it can be easy to say I'm lazy. I used to hold so much guilt, but reading books, like I read a lot of books to help my clients to save them time, to give them the puzzle pieces. Cause I love, you know, I'm like this resource library, but right now I'm in a season where I know that this professional side is working really well, but I feel like there's an up level coming and there's this discomfort that nobody ever talks about. And so I've like kind of witnessed it in myself and others through this community. So basically nothing looks like back to my first response to you, nothing looks like I thought it would, but in a way it's so much better. And it's realizing that we need to do it kind of on our own time and not compare ourselves and, you know, going slow, having that space. I've become a huge journaler. I have, you know, therapist. I go to an energy masseuse, like all these things that I wasn't open to, like even astrology makes me feel like less crazy now. And so these different realms. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And, and so, and I'm right there with one you. of my rules is anything that I judge, I need to look closer at. So like, astrology was one of those things or spiritual sides. And so during lockdown, creative mornings has these field trips. And it's when I do my make my make a map field trip where banana maps are like the first exercise. And so I got hundreds of people during the pandemic and after the pandemic mapping on bananas. But anyway, that's to say like, you know, Tina Roth Eisenberg, who launched it, she is the queen of enthusiasm and bringing joy and fun to work. And she had reached out to me, but their whole team, there were a bunch of like astrology or human design or all these different things. And I was like, this is free. Let me see. Let me learn. Let me try. And I think just following curiosities, like I've been into neuroscience and you know, right now I'm like, I think I just need to read fiction and not learn things, but being open to these things that I wasn't and just letting myself be curious about what I'm curious about. I don't care if it's trendy. I don't care if everybody else does, you know, some of these things do happen to be trendy, but that's not why I'm doing it, but it's like listening to yourself and just getting a little bit more clear. And it, it goes back to experimentation. Yeah. And sometimes because something is trendy, just means that you have more access to it because you hear about it and sparks your curiosity, right? But, and so much is just even, you know, social media, for me, ultimately, it's a research tool and it's an archive for myself, but just to become exposed to different concepts and ideas. And, you know, I feel like I've given myself my emotional education rather than being grown up with it. And so just so I can create like, I just want to create like a vessel where people can feel safe and explore and not do what they think they have to, or they're supposed to, or should, but like be on the path they really want to. So a lot of that is just being like open about like, Oh, this is, or this is my resource. And 
sharing all of that. But it is all a journey. And Can I ask you if you're the, are you by chance the eldest daughter in your family? I am. <laughs> Because I have. I'm a younger brother. They're just two. But yeah. I, I hear so much of what you're saying is echoing to me and to all my eldest daughter friends. And I was just sending my friend Iflat yesterday a bunch, like maybe 10 TikTok videos about being the oldest daughter. <laughs> and they're all about kind of giving yourself your emotional education and all of that. I think it's a generational thing too. Yeah, that makes sense. One of the things that you said really resonated with me and tell me if maybe I'm just like kind of projecting onto you, but one of the things that you said that at least the way I heard it is sometimes things feel really slow, but then in hindsight, when you look at it, like kind of year over year, quarter over quarter, you realize that it actually is much faster than you even wanted to. It's like much faster than you even imagined, but at, in the moment, it feels the slowest is that something you're ding 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 <laughs> yeah you just nailed it uh right on the head and I talk a lot about zooming in and zooming out in my work and it's just that perspective so sometimes our maps that we do and it's a mix of mind maps and abstract maps and maps that I make up and I'm constantly trying new things some of them are like honed in detailed and some are really zooming out and a lot are like to help us dream. And so it's, it's going in and out and that's where I have that built in reflection. But yeah, I think it's that perspective and things do happen faster than we think, you know, in my head, it's already the end of the year, but it's not. And honestly, I can tell you that this season of slow I'm in, it is to prepare me for what's next which I don't know what it is. And so it's been very jarring. I call it, I'm in the goo. I'm in this chrysalis. I can feel the walls. I don't know how thick they are. Just ran off to Istanbul and I was like, I'm like loading a new operating system. And I still don't know where that's taking me, but- I love that metaphor. Yeah. And it's totally wild. And trying to explain it to friends who've known me for a long time is much harder than some of these newer or more spiritual friends. But I was like, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. But I'm just in this thing. I'm in this season. But knowing it's also training my body to be ready and to react to things. And I think it's, you know, we have fear of failure, but I think fear of success is actually more of a thing. And just being ready for Definitely. that and having the boundaries. And like, I was like, oh, boundaries are a thing. And I've had them, but in different ways. And I keep having these, like, I love thinking about things with the universe. My grandfather did a lot with space. And so, but it just opened it. But I'm like, we have these different tests and triggers and they are kind of, you know, have we learned the lesson? Like it's going to, I keep watching things that repeat and patterns because they're going to keep happening until I break them. So I'm, proactively learning to show up in the world differently, which I look the same, but I'm like, I feel this change. And it's part of the season of slow. And I would love to go faster, but like between COVID or just some jarring news or something caught off guard, like it's like the carpet keeps getting pulled out from under me, but it's accepting of it as well. I, I know it looks like I'm smiling and I am smiling, but I, I actually have tears in my eyes. I relate so much. And I was just, you know, in that frustration. I was just like right before jumping on this recording, I was in that frustration of like things aren't moving fast enough. And then I was like, wait a minute, but if you, I look like two years back, I would have never imagined that I would have my agency not even half the size it is or the amazing clients they are, let alone our amazing team members. And I think it's just, it's deceptive, right? And I love also what you said about the discomfort because I think, you know, for me, it's about two things and I, I would love to hear how you're kind of feeling about it. For me, it's like either you have like the frustration of being like too slow, of things not moving or things being out of control, because a lot of it is also that feeling of like, I wish I could control things. I wish I 
had like that lever, right? That I could like sometimes slow, sometimes make faster, but it's not always up to us. And on the other hand, there's like also that wish to grow, not necessarily in size, but like to challenge yourself and to do other different things. And then there's like that discomfort. And like, I feel like in the world of entrepreneurship, especially in tech entrepreneurship, which I just spent like a few years in, like it's very much glorified that getting outside of your comfort zone. But then we're not talking about what does it do to our nervous system, as you said. So I would love to hear like, because I feel like you're, you're speaking on like, and, and as you were saying patterns, I was thinking this is such a good metaphor for you because patterns are so visual. So I would love to hear more from you about that. Yeah, well, so many things I want to touch on. We'll see see what comes up. But um, when you're saying tech is glorified, but like for me, I'm like, oh, that we glorify success and growth and constant growth. And there is no maintenance mode ever put in there. And I think we forget about the power of maintenance and life happens. And that's where I'm like having space and slowing down. And I have so many friends resisting it. And I'm like, I can only say what I can say. Like I, it's, it's up to the person, but for me, like losing my mom several years ago to cancer was like the reset and wake up call. So I'm like, the reset can come for you or you come for it. But I think the media, like everything glorifies the whole, the, the same narrative. And so for me, it comes back to the alternative narratives and just being like, we think everybody else is happy, but there's other things happening. And when you had first started talking about your agency, like I got chills again, again, like, so this visceral, like feeling in the body and somatic response was like, it's, it's interesting to pay attention to, but like how you said, how you love your clients and the work you're doing. And like, since I've been doing operating in this way where it's just trusting myself and doing this, I don't have to deal with BS. I love my clients. Like Again, it it doesn't even feel. I was like, wait, you're paying me, like, it's, but because I learned from you too, and it's, I just work with wonderful people, and you like attract that energy, and it's standing into your worth and deservingness. Yeah, but it's it's okay to also be grateful for that and acknowledge that, and it's such a blessing. And you're probably bringing so much to their lives. Yeah, yeah. It's normalizing it, and I think we all take for granted what we do and what we bring because half the time, just showing up as yourself is what they need, and just being human. And we're like, sorry for the slow response. I'm like, for most people, that's faster than anybody else, and um, you know, different companies work at different speeds. Totally. Um, and I think the other thing, the other thing that was kind of coming up for me was, I think for me the wanting to know what's next. It's this controlling and wanting to know because I feel it. And we're told we need to know what we're going to do. And so like I have clarity in the direction I'm going. But I think so much for me has been learning to let go and surrender. And so much of what we see in the world is about controlling this is this. We need the numbers. We need growth, growth, growth at all costs. And I was like, why can't we just ever be happy where we are? So I think that's what so much of this season is as well. Yeah, I loved what you said about maintenance. I was just thinking about it because I started working with, you know, one of those scheduling links and it asks you, do you want a buffer between meetings? And I was like, heck yeah, I want buffers between meetings. (laughs) Because what I found was also, you know, I love working from home and I have worked from home many years before the pandemic, but I had a few years when I didn't. And what happens when I started working from home again due to the pandemic was that I just didn't give myself any buffers. And I thought about it when you spoke about how your cohorts were like three months and then you had like another one and you're doing so much personal and spiritual work. And I'm sure you need to fill that cup, you know, from somewhere. And I think it's when when there's no commute, when there's no, no like outside condition kind of forcing you to take that buffer, to take, that maintenance mode or to like invest back in yourself it's so important because we need to remind to be our own reminders and I was wondering how are you thinking about that yeah it's great I think so much is realizing oh there's another way of working because we just see copy and paste oh this startup is doing this so we're going to do it and like instead of figuring out what works for people and then people resent meetings and all these things for me buffer is my jam like I 
try to only have like two calls. I also like to have the flexibility where if I want to go for a walk or feel something or, you know, somebody's in town meet up and I just don't want to be chained to my computer. So I, I try to keep an eye on different things. I have certain, I kind of do it more as a week where I have a lot of calls. So there's space because you never know what's going to come up. Yeah, I think it's it's just really interesting to have conversations and learning different ways. Lacey Phillips and her work, To Be Magnetic, talks about expanders. So they're people who show you what's possible. And so they're different ways. And so I'd worked with a coach who has a chronic illness. And the fact that she works like 10, 15 hours a week and does very well for herself is so inspiring. So it's just, we tell ourselves these stories and it's just looking for different ways. But I have an extreme amount of cushion in my life right now. But I also know that there are different seasons, like sometimes to facilitate for companies or teams, but I'm like, I also know they move at a different speed. So it's just kind of being realistic with ourselves. I think it's hard because we we're so I can do this and this and this and this, but like, you don't have to. And like, friends who will be like, have all these things are like, Oh, I can do this. And I like know that I'm going to get pushed back. And it's not offensive. But it's just being like, okay, I can actually see the reality. And so that's where I like even doing these check-ins with myself where it's like, okay, I wanted to do that. I thought I was going to do that, but it's not becoming forced, but it's really finding the flow of like, I can work on this right now or this, or I am very deadline driven. So if I have something that I have to do, that's when it gets out. There's a lot, I'm a big percolator. (laughs) You know, some people it's like, I procrastinate, I do this. And then we just beat ourselves up. And I just have realized it's percolation time. I go for a lot of walks since the pandemic. I don't have my transit pass. Like I still have a Metro pass, but per ride versus per month. And I walk almost everywhere. And Paris is a wonderful place to do that. It's I would go for podcast walks and listen to podcasts. But in this season, I listen to I listen to nothing more than anything. I'm also going to take Netflix break. I just binged like seven series, seasons of Gilmore Girls. I know you're yeah. building in the space <laughs> and letting myself be uncomfortable. And I tried to take a social media break for a couple of weeks, a few times a year. And I didn't do it between my last two launches because I had the the retreat going. And so I felt the pressure and I not giving myself that space did not help me. And it's just right now I feel writing bubbling up, but I know I'm trying to share the rest of my trip on social media. I just need to have a clean slate, but I'm like, the phone is too much my friend, too comfortable with. So it can be inspiring. It can learn from it research, but it's also like, it's all part of this letting go, which is part of the theme and surrendering and just stepping back and knowing that it's, we're not going to be behind. It's going to help us and like jumpstart us and rocket us to that place, even though it's not natural. Yeah. And, and what even is behind? There is no behind. And that's one of my, you know, I think there is so much guilt and it shame. It is one of my slides on mapping your path. I was like, there's no behind in MYP, but in life or anything, because that does nothing to help us. And sometimes things happen. It's like slow, slow, slow. And it's like fast, 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 fast. Like the last time I was like in a weird place, I was like, oh, I moved. I became French. I did it. Like 10 things happened at once. So that's why <laughs> I'm preparing again unintentionally, but the world is preparing for me. It's like, I don't have a choice, but I'm embracing it and just you know, following my intuition as much as I can, even if it's a crazy idea, like booking a flight to Istanbul. (laughs) I love that. And I think it's so much about intuition and awareness, because then you are much more flexible, as you said, like you can have more of a cushion at some point, and then a different season, you kind of, you know, conscientiously say, okay, now I need maybe less, but it's, it's about not falling back into the habit. It's about like still doing the zoom out and saying, okay, but then I can still go back and create more of a cushion. And I think that could be a lot, very challenging a lot of times to stay like both in the zoom in and the zoom out. And I feel like, first of all, I, I want to just have coffee with you. I want to hang out. I feel like we could I know. talk for hours and hours. And I can't thank you enough for joining me today. So I know you have... Uh, it was so fun. It's part of my processing too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, so you have cohorts of your workshop and you have the retreat coming up. How is the best the way... The retreat? No, not the... 
I mean, I might do more retreats or smaller things or in Paris or I'd love to do them in other cities or companies bring me, but um, yeah, the mapping your path three month cohort and then the two hour write your own rules. Um, I tend to run in the fall as well. Yeah. So the best way for people to like learn about that and maybe join is through your website, which we'll link. Yeah. And at Meyer.com, um, I have my newsletter, which I call a weekly newsletter, but right now it's maybe monthly called Connect the Dots. So that's a great way to get an inbox and Preda Voyager on social media. And I sometimes I post on that blog. Um, sometimes, you know, you can, you can see, you can yeah, you go, go back in flow. time and see the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's such a beautiful journey to see. And thank you so, so much. I had, I really enjoyed this conversation and I can tell you that personally um, I'm taking so many of the, of, of the, of the stuff that you said uh, to my own life because uh, it was a very opportune <laughs> timing for some of those things. Uh, and I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate it. I just want to say that something that's happening to me a lot right now is reconnecting with people and we're these interesting mirrors and like gifts for each other. And we need to hear these conversations and be that place. And another friend and I keep talking about like how we're like showing up in the world differently. And so it's just being conscious and just making these choices. But, um, you know, hearing you on this podcast has been such a joy and it's like, again, so aligned with everything I'm thinking. And I'm like, she's putting words to it with other people. Other people think this. So thank you for (laughs) your contribution to changing the status quo, shaking things up, because it's not just going to change. Like we need to like be active participants. That's kind of my new, new, new MO, my new approach. I love that. You just made my day. Thank you so much. We have to make each other's day. So many times people don't tell us how their work has influenced us or inspired us. And it's don't hold back. Just let people know it's make the world more beautiful too. That is such a beautiful way to put it. Thank you so, so much, Anne. And I can't wait to like continue witnessing your journey and learning from you both directly and indirectly. Uh, And I can't wait to hear what our listeners will think and what, you know, this episode will awaken in them. So I really, really appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you too. Hey, everyone. So wow, what a conversation this was. I have to say, I still have goosebumps from my conversation with Anne. I don't think I shared this with you, but I uh, haven't been feeling that well for a few weeks. That's why we had a break on the podcast. And during that time, I was having some trouble breathing. I had some uh, symptoms of my autoimmune disease. And it was really interesting because... Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. It sucked. It's interesting. But it was interesting to get some self-reflection and to kind of realize that unlike other times when I had flare-ups, I wasn't mad at my buddy. I didn't feel like my buddy betrayed me. I had very little anger. I was looking at my buddy more like a teacher. And I will almost go as far as to say that I had gratitude for it, for kind of raising a flag and letting me know that I needed to slow down and I needed to reflect and I needed to deal with some issues that I was suppressing. And I didn't even consciously think about that until I did a gratitude practice from Yoga Girl Daily, which is a podcast I highly, highly recommend, which literally said, place your hand on a part of your body and like just feel gratitude for it. And you know what? Following three weeks of alternating between working bed and working from bed, I managed to have that gratitude. And I'm not saying this to brag, Uh, I'm saying this because I think one of the points that Anne made that was so powerful was about patterns and 
I know patterns are not a new idea, but somehow when Anne, when, who's such a visual person, spoke about it, I could almost see those patterns in my eyes. And suddenly zooming out and zooming in got such a different meaning of like a really visual meaning of like, how do you get closer to the, the picture or how do you get further away from it to gain more perspective? And how, when you're in a pattern, how you can examine it. You can examine the shape, the color. I'm not trying to pose as a spiritual person or someone who leads um, meditative practices. And there are so many other resources that you can go to. But just like looking at how I kind of process things, and maybe this could be helpful to some of you. I thought that was so interesting. And also if we're talking like taking this like down a notch and just talking about patterns in your career, in your work, in the way you set boundaries and the way you deal with things, how powerful is that? How powerful is just to not always have to magic marker or to Sharpie in your life, but sometimes you can just doodle a side of something underneath something pencil in things I thought that was such a powerful concept of like everything that Anne is doing with her mapping practice and so I'm really excited about this conversation I can't wait to hear what you all think about it so yeah let me know and hopefully your day is going great and you're feeling great and you're embodying that joy um, that we saw from Anne. Thank you so much for being here. Bye. Thank you for listening to Looks Like Work. You can find resources, links, and of course the episode's show notes at roomsandwords.com. That's rooms, like a room, and words, and like an and.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I really, really hope that you'll like my newsletter too. My newsletter is something that I send out every week and I share thoughts, links, books, and just other things that I find thought-provoking, interesting, somehow contributing to these conversations that we're having here, or sometimes just joyously distracting. Again, the newsletter is sent out every week and you can find the link to sign up on my website at roomsandwords.com and I really hope to see you there and of course to see you here next week. Have a good one.